0: Father, we thank you for your sweet spirit here this morning. Sweet and gentle, but yet powerful, mighty. We thank you that we can enter through the door, as it says in John 10, 9, and find pasture for our soul. Thank you for the good food this morning that you'll give us in the word. Open our hearts that we might receive what you give us. That it might bring forth fruit in our lives. In Christ's name, amen. My title this morning is, And She Said. And She Said. I want you to think of three words this morning, new beginnings and the word threshold." A week or so ago, I believe I received this word from the Lord, and I thought it was a sort of an odd word, threshold. And I saw the meaning, and it means the place or point of beginning. What you step across when you enter a room. A threshold takes you from one place into another. When you're about to start something new, you are also on a threshold. A threshold is a point of departure or transition. Some would say it's a graduation. It's going from one place to the other. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19 says this Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? It's a question. I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. What's a new thing? A new new beginning. Something new. Something fresh. Look what it says in Numbers chapter 11 and verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord, and the Lord heard it. And his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. They thought they could murmur. They thought they could criticize and do all those things far away from the altar, far away from the house of the Lord. But God heard them. He consumed them with his fire. What does it mean when they said they complained? They murmured. They whined. They bellyached? We can prevent a new thing happening in our lives by the words that we speak. We can prevent a new thing, a new beginning in our lives by the words that we speak. We can abort God's mission and intentions for our life by speaking negatively and not standing on his promises. In Matthew chapter nine and verse 18, while he yet spake these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler and worshiped him, look at the word now, saying, my daughter is even now dead but come, and she shall live. You see, this ruler stepped into a new threshold. He stepped into a new spiritual dimension that he had never experienced before because he heard about Jesus. And his daughter was at the point of death and will eventually die in the story. But he says, same, Come, and she shall live. In the book of Luke, chapter 8, and verse 41, the same man, and behold, there came a man, Jairus, by name, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. He was somebody. And he fell down at the feet of Jesus and besought him that he would come. For he had only one daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. In Mark, chapter 5, and verse 21, The same story, the Bible says in verse 23, He besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. First he says to the Lord, come, and she shall live. Then another verse in Luke says, He besought him. He was serious about the situation. And then he said, I pray thee, Lord, I pray thee that you would come. What's the response of Jesus? The response of Jesus is in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 19. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. We don't see discussion here. We see a man that's desperate for his daughter. We see a man that's desperate for his family. We see a man that's, entering a threshold, a new beginning, even though he's a ruler of the synagogue and he's somebody and he can lose his reputation or his position in the synagogue by appealing to Jesus, who people rejected. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse 19, in the same verse, in a different translation, it says, so Jesus and his disciples got up and went with him. What did he do? He got his disciples. He came together in a group. Jesus was on a mission to do something new, and he gathered a group of disciples that had enthusiasm, excitement, and expectation that something good was going to happen because they were following Jesus. Amen. In the course of a day, if somebody can replay your words for the week, how many times did you say, Something good's going to happen today? <laughs> Or was it just the opposite? Negative words, negative speech and conversation around negative people, doubt, fear, unbelief, all those things that enter. But something odd happens. Here's Jesus gathering his disciples and he's walking along to the house of Jairus to pray for his daughter. And then a distraction comes and an interruption. And what was that? You see, this happens very often when God embarks on a new beginning in your life. The enemy doesn't want you to have a new beginning. The enemy doesn't want you to change your speech. The enemy doesn't want you to change your confession or your profession. He wants you to stay in the muckety-muck. He wants you to stay negative. He doesn't want you to speak words of life but words of death. He doesn't want you to say, I can. He wants you to say, I can't. Simple. A certain woman enters a new threshold. Who is this lady? In Mark 5, 25, and a certain woman with an issue of blood 12 years. Now stop right there. This lady's sick for 12 years. She's got a blood disorder. Why now? Why are you coming now? I can just hear Jerry saying, who who is this lady? Doesn't she see what we're doing? There's a profession, a a, a group of people coming to my house, and you're you're interrupting. Lady, you've been sick for 12 years. Why now? Because that's the way Jesus designed things. You see, we say, why now? And he says, why not? He's God. He's mighty. He knows exactly every moment of your life. And the Bible says, and she has suffered many things of many physicians. She went to a lot of doctors. Doctors are wonderful. But they don't have the ultimate answer. And spent all that she had, wiped out her monies, her savings, and was none the better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. Now, wait a minute. News is traveling around. She's a sick woman. And you know when you're sick for 12 years, you're depressed, you're discouraged, you have no hope, you have no expectation. There's nothing there. But something happened. You see... The Bible says in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 20, and behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. She received some kind of a revelation from God Almighty. She received a message from heaven. And that message was Lady, today is your day. Daughter, today is your day. I want you to get up, I want you to get yourself ready. And I want you to go down to Hallelujah Square where Jesus is having a tent revival, praise the Lord. And I want you to touch the hem of his garment. He's my son. Wait a minute. What does it mean to touch? The word touch means to fasten oneself to something. It means to adhere to something or to cling to something. But it also means kindle a fire. You see, that's what people need. They need a fire kindled in their soul. Because they're walking around alive but as dead people. No hope. No expectation. They're not saying something good is going to happen to me today. They're saying, well, what's going to happen bad again? I've had so much bad luck. I've been born under a bad sign. I wasn't dealt a full deck of cards. That's all they speak. That's all they speak. It's negative. Gloom. Doom. The word touch means to kindle a fire. She held on to her point of faith. Her point of contact was the hem of his garment. And this morning, Christ is asking you, What is your point of contact? Amen. Come on. What are you holding on to? Are you touching the hem of his garment? Are you speaking the promises of God? <clears throat> are we speaking the opposite of what the Word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me? But most people this morning are saying, I can't, I won't, I don't want to. And they've given up. Those people need hope. You see, the Bible admonishes us in Hebrews 12 and 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Looking unto who? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Luke chapter 8 and verse 43 says this the same story. At a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living, wiped out everything she had. Maybe she started selling tables and chairs and lamps to get money to go to another doctor. But neither could be healed of any in Luke 8 43. She came behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her issue of blood stanched, stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee and sayest thou who touched me? Look at all these people. How can we identify someone who touched you when there's so many But Jesus said, somebody hath touched me. For I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. You see, when you touch him, he knows you touched him. When you cling to him, he knows you've clinged to him. When you adhere to him, he knows who's adhering to him. Hear what I'm saying this morning as a pastor. He wants us to touch the hem of his garment and he wants the kingdom of fire in our lives that invoke the promises of God that we can stand on come hell or high water and say thus saith the Lord whose report will I believe or will I read see the report out of my mouth that's negative. Look at verse Matthew nine twenty one, And this is a very important part. For she said, look at it closely, within herself, for she said, if I may touch but his garment, I shall be whole. What do you say within yourself? What do you say in your mind? I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. I shouldn't have it. Why does God bother with me? Blah, 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 blah. Shooting the willy bobo to God, who's rejecting all of your words and my words. When we get into that negative cavity, that negative cave. And in mushrooms, if you notice it, when you're around someone negative, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it clings to you. What do you say within yourself and what is your profession of faith or lack thereof? God's challenging us. You see, the Bible said, she said. What does that mean? She got a memo from heaven. And the memo was this. If you touch the hem of his garment, you will be healed. When you're sick for 12 years, and you have no more money for a doctor, and you get this message from heaven, you're going to say within yourself a 100 times a day, if I but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And you don't care who's listening to you. And you don't care who you think is crazy. Don't you remember when you were in school and you talked in the class and you weren't supposed to? They sent you to the library and you had to write a hundred times, I will not speak in study hall. I will not speak in study hall. And you wrote it and wrote it and wrote it. I was a wise guy, so I just put those, dot, you know, those lines. I wrote one time and I gave it to the teacher. This doesn't count." I said, what? It's a hundred. You didn't write it out. I said, yeah. Go back to your seat. See, I thought I was a wise guy. She made you write it. And if you weren't careful, you wrote it 200 times and not 100. That happened. Hmm. What's God saying here? She said, she speaks it out. She's affirming the message that she has heard. My Lord in heaven, why don't we speak out the word of God? Why don't we speak out the promises of God? Why don't we affirm the words that God has already given us instead of saying, I can't, I won't, I don't want to. Come on. She said means she maintained her position. She received the teaching and she exhorted herself. And she took the advice from heaven because it was a direct order. It was a command. It was God pointed out to her with intention and said, if you touch my son's garment, you will be made whole. Lord, have mercy. When you're sick for 12 years, you need something to hold on to. You need somebody to come into your life and give you hope. You need someone to take you by the hand and say, come on. I know you don't feel good. I know you're down. I know you're depressed. I know you're discouraged. But you're getting up and you're getting out. We're going somewhere. Either it's for a cup of coffee or a lunch or whatever, a change of scenery, a change of environment, a breath of fresh air. That's what people need. Listen, you know what? You know, other than forgiveness, which we all need, we all need hope and encouragement. I don't care who you are. You need hope. You need comfort. You need encouragement. And we need to walk into each other's life with hope and encouragement. We should wear it as a banner upon our heads. And say, I'm here to give you what? I can't? No. I'm here to give you the I cans of the Bible. I'm here to give you the promises of God. I'm here to lay hands on you in the name of Jesus Christ. What are we saying with our mouths? Go back to your conversation this week. What is our heartfelt confession? And who or what are we in agreement with? What are we agreeing with? Are we agreeing with the covenant of God? Or the covenant of lies? Are we agreeing with the covenant of light or the covenant of darkness? And when we get negative and we don't refer to the promises of God and we ignore them, we're in darkness at that moment. And the darkness is coming from our mouth because what's hidden in our heart comes through our lips. That's what the word says in Proverbs. We hide it here, and we speak it. How many curses do we speak during the week to ourselves? How many agreements of darkness do we make with ourselves every week by our conversation? And having a conversation with others, how much darkness do we expose them to? And when they walk away from us, they're discouraged, they're down, they're dejected. Instead, they should be leaving us with hope, encouragement, counseling from God's word, believing that God will do something good for them when they leave your presence. The Bible says in Luke 6.45, a good man produces good out of the good storeroom of his heart, and an evil man produces evil out of an evil storeroom, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart, Your heart is a storeroom. What are you storing? What am I storing? God, get rid of every negativity. Get rid of every I can't. Every doubt, every unbelief, every fear. Nonsense that doesn't belong there. That impedes the word of the Lord. In the NLT version it says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Listen to the conversation of people. And in five minutes you'll understand exactly where they're coming from. You will discern their spirit, and if you're not careful, it'll jump on you if you stay around it. You know what I'm talking about? The Bible says in Proverbs 6:2, "Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth, thou art taken with the words of thy mouth." What does it mean we're snared? We're lured by the enemy, we're enticed by the enemy. He sets a trap for us. He catches us with the bait that he gives us. That word snared means he catches you. He catches me sometimes. He captures you, I'm sure. With your words, how we speak to one another, what we say to each other, what we say to children, what we say to our friends. Debate is there. And it's not debate for life. It's not debate for light. It's debate for darkness. Jesus said to her in Matthew 9, 22, but Jesus turned him about. And when he saw her, he said, he said, daughter. Be of good comfort. Thy faith has made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. He saw her. Amen. And when you reach out to him and touch the hem of his garment, that word saw means he turns his eyes towards you. He looks upon you and beholds you. He observes you. He pays attention to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He said, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. He rescued her from danger, destruction, disease, and he restored her to health after 12 years of being sick. In Mark chapter 5, 28, to reiterate, to reiterate, for she said, what did she say? I'm not going. I'm not touching the hem of his gum. Did she say that? I've been sick 12 long long years, so what? I'm just going to wait here and die. Nobody cares. Nobody's knocking on my door. Nobody's offering prayers or consolation or comfort. She could have said that. But she went over a threshold. She entered a new door. She had a new beginning. Something got stirred up in her. And a fire was kindled in her heart. And that's what Christ is trying to do for the church in America. He's trying to kindle a fire in the heart of the church. But they're blowing it out. By keeping the Holy Spirit out there. By calling the Holy Spirit a she and not a he. Keeping it out. Becoming woke, agreeing with the world and the lies and the darkness, and persuading people that that's the truth when it's not the truth. I say it's time to touch the hem of his garment. I say it's time to allow God to kindle a fire in our hearts. I say it's time to go through the door. I say it's time to step over the threshold. I say it's time by faith in the name of Jesus Christ to get a good hold on God. Hallelujah. Because that's what's going to bring us through. That's what's going to save us. And that's what's going to feed us. Hallelujah. For she said. "Hallelujah." <laughs> what is our confession? Jesus came to the disciples one day and he said in Matthew 17 and 20, and Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. What he was really saying was, what's your words? How long have I been with you? How long have you heard the word? Because of your unbelief, but verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain. Do what? Say. Speak, words, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. What do people do? They keep the mountain in their life. Problems, problems, problems. Mountains, mountains, mountains. And that's all they talk about. They tell the people constantly, which is okay. Okay. If you're going to grab hold of someone's hand and say, pray for me, that I can overcome these problems and these mountains in the name of Jesus, because I have prayed, I have fasted, I have wept, I've done everything I do. And Jesus says, when you've done all that, he says, say to it, speak to it. Now, that doesn't go so well with the modern day church and theology. You see, people are hurting. People are aching. People want relief. People want answers. People want to know, what can I do about my problems? Prepare me, help me. What can I do about my mountains? They want to know. because they're tired. They're weary. They're sick. And Jesus turned to the disciples and he said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, a mustard seed was considered a very weak and ineffective seed. But a mustard seed doesn't mix with other seeds like rye and wheat and barley or grass. It far exceeds these others by growing 15 feet tall. The Lord was saying, if you have faith that's not mixed with doubt and fear, unbelief, worry, and anxiety, it will grow taller than these and be more effective in speaking to your problems in your mountains, and then you shall say to this situation, get out of here in the name of Jesus Christ. Well, we don't really believe that. We don't really believe that. Because we stay stuck. And that's where people hold their position. They stay stuck. Because they think that's going to bring them a dividend. Oh, people will feel sorry for you for a season. People have pity for you for a season. But a spiritual person will say, listen, let's grab a hold of God. Let's do all these good things we're supposed to do. Pray, fast, seek the Lord, whatever. And when we've done all that and the mountain is still there, let's start speaking to it. You see, are you you like crazy or something? See, I believe this is a position of authority and command. Not a position of presenting your petitions before God, but saying to the situation, let me prove it to you. This is God's creative power in our life, which many churches will never touch. They'll call me a heretic. Oh, you believe in the creative power of God? Oh, yes, I do. Because the Bible says in Genesis 1:3, and God said, Let there be light. He said in Genesis one six, and God said, let there be a firmament. He said in nine, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together. He said in verse 11, and let the earth bring forth grass. He said in 1.14, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven. In one twenty, he said, and let the waters bring forth abundantly. And he said in uh, Genesis 1.24, let the earth bring forth the living creatures after his own kind. And in Genesis one twenty six, and he says, let us make man in our image. And God said, and God said in Genesis 128, and God blessed them, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. He said that between a man and a woman. He spoke it. He didn't pray about it. He didn't have a committee meeting about it. He didn't have an emergency meeting in heaven because there was a crisis. No. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He did that. Most people don't believe that. They think that's a fairy tale. They don't believe the stories of the Bible. They believe it's a fairy tale. That's okay. We will never shake the faith of God. We will never move him in his faith. Never. So Jesus is given this expose to the disciples and he comes on the next day in Mark 11 and 12 and on tomorrow when they will come from Bethany he was hungry he got hungry and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves he came if happily he might find anything thereon he wanted a fig and when he came to it he found nothing but leaves see that's like a lot of people There's nothing but leaves. No fruit. (laughs) I I don't think you just heard what I said. It's like people. Nothing but leaves. No substance. No faith. No hope. Some people just waiting to die. Some people just waiting to cash in. Why? Why? When God says, okay, not when man says. Not when man decides. What what are you talking about? He came and found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it. He's talking to a tree. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever, and his disciples heard it. They must have thought he lost his mind in the sun. Can't you just hear them murmuring among themselves? He's talking to a tree. He's talking to a tree. He's speaking words to a tree. Yes. So he goes from Bethany to Jerusalem in Mark eleven fifteen. And they came to Jerusalem and went into the temple, and he began to cast them out that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold dubs. That's what he told them. My, my, my father's house is not a den, a, a den of thieves. It's a house of prayer. The disciples forgot about him talking to the tree until the next day he went back to Bethany on purpose to show them that he didn't lose his mind. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 19, when evening was coming, went out of the city, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. How did that happen? <coughs> did it just die overnight? Was there a big windstorm or an earthquake that uprooted it? dried up from the roots, and Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou curseth is withered away. (laughs) Wow. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain shall do what? Shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. In most churches, that would be heresy preaching. You can't stand up there, Pastor, and tell me that we have the creative power of God within us. Well, yes, I am. The same Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus has come upon us. Is it different? Is it a different brand, a different variety? Did we get it from a different store? Same. It's the creative power of God to speak. To speak the promises of God. Go back on your week now. Play the videotape. Come on, play it. How much negativity... How many negative words come out of our conversation? How many people do we depress and deplete? Guilty. Guilty. We hate to admit it. Because we think we're superstars sometimes. We think we're super Christians. When the enemy just throws the bait out. He just throws a little bit of bait out. It doesn't have to be a big fish or bait. Just a little bit. And he gets our words. Because they're stored in here. And what's stored in here? Doubt, fear, unbelief. All that nonsense that clouds our spiritual living. And when we get under pressure, what comes out of the storeroom? (laughs) Junk. What we used to call rusted lids. You know, your grandma used to put away food. And eventually, if it got too old, down in the basement, the lid got rusted. Had to throw it away. Rusted lids. lids. So you think I forgot about the ruler of the synagogue? No, I didn't. I think God wanted to point out to us that when you step over the threshold and enter into the door that he's leading you into, there's going to be distractions and interruptions and perhaps next week I'll deal with that if the Lord allows me at length. So the lady with the issue of blood barges in, hears the message, says within herself, if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed, and she's healed. End of story. Daughter, order thy faith has made the whole go in peace. She's good to go. But where's Jairus? What did Jesus say? He said, I will come to your house and I will minister to your daughter. So what does Jesus do? In Mark chapter 5, verse 35, while he yet spake, there came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, and there's a lot of people like this in the world, which said, thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? Oh, here we go. Doom and gloom world's going to blow up by midnight tonight. Get yourself ready. I don't know how you do that, but that's what they're telling you. <laughs> the doom and gloomers are coming. Can't wait. They just can't wait to tell Jairus. Don't bother him no more. You don't need him. She's gone. She's dead. Cold as a cucumber. As soon as Jesus heard the word, as soon. What do people hear from your mouth as soon as you, they hear you speak? What do, what do they hear? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, be not afraid, only believe. Why would Jesus want to go home with him and visit the dead? When he said, let the dead bury the dead. There's a reason. And he suffered no man to follow him, save Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. There's the group. He come into the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and he saw the tumult. And then that wept and wailed greatly. And when he came in, he said unto them, Why make ye this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. Oh, they're going to laugh now. See, the minstrels were lining up, singing those depressing songs, singing dirges and whatevers. He says in Luke chapter 8 and verse 50, he said, fear not, believe only. In Mark chapter 5 and verse 40, When Jesus came to the house they laughed him to scorn but here's what he did. You see he got rid of negativity negative talk and negative people. You see Jesus can't operate under unbelief. He can't operate in that atmosphere. He can't operate if people don't want to go through the threshold. He can't operate in our lives. We make him Dormant, he wants to, but we choose. I, I I, don't want you to come. I don't want you to be available that I could touch the hem of your garment. I'm, I'm going to stay stuck because I have believed the devil's lie so long. It's embedded in my spirit like a genetic makeup. It's in my spiritual DNA. That some people have convinced themselves of a lie. And they agree with it every day. And not only do they agree with it, they speak it out loud and they curse themselves. You don't think that's possible? Okay. I mean, yes, possible. People try to map out their life and tell God, well, you know. Because, no, you don't know. Some people are telling God how long they want to live. It's not up to you. Well, I don't want to live that long. Who who are are you? Are you like sitting on the throne? Telling God, this is what I want? And you'll get what you want because you're cursing yourself. It's not necessarily God's will. When he promises us certain amount of years in the Bible, and then even beyond that, but people are gonna tell God with their mouth, you don't know what you're doing. Okay. He took the mother and the father in Mark five and forty. He entered into where the damsel was lying. He shut the door on these people. And he said unto her, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. He said unto her. He's speaking to a dead body. You've heard me preach this. The spirit that had left her body was traveling down the card of time But when that spirit heard Jesus speak, it did a turnaround. And it ran right back into her body and climbed back into her body to give her life because it had to turn around at the command of Jesus because Jesus said unto her, Tabitha, young lady, get up, get up and rise. And straightway, the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished, with great astonishment, and he charged them straightly that no man should know it, and commanded that something should be given her to eat. (laughs) What happened? The creative power of Christ, the virtue that healed the woman with the issue of blood, now healed a 12-year-old girl. Do we really believe this stuff, anyone? Do we really believe this? <laughs> Churches have shut the door to the promises of God. They've completely eliminated the book of Acts like it doesn't exist. They've eliminated the promises of the Lord. They've eliminated hope and expectation to their congregation by singing nice little songs. People need truth. People need the word of the Lord. There's a lot of she said in the Bible. In Genesis 21 and 7, Sarah and Sarah said and she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck for I had borne him a son in his old age even Sarah, after she had laughed at God, she had to come to herself and she said, who would have thought that this man at this age? Hmm. (laughs) Genesis 24 and 58. And they called Rebekah and said unto her, "Wilt thou go with this man? And she said, I will go. Husband. In Exodus chapter two and verse 10. Pharaoh's daughter, and the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son, and she called his name Moses, and she said, because I drew him out of the water. In Numbers chapter 22 and verse 28, God opened the mouth of an ass. Listen, and the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, My Lord in heaven. If God can open up the voice of an ass. Of a jackass. With a positive word. What's wrong with us? That we're so stinking negative. Rahab. Joshua 2, 21, and she said, according unto your word so be it. And she sent them away, and they departed, and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Her family was saved, she said. In Judges 4, 9, Deborah, and she said, I will go with thee. God couldn't find a man. He had to find Deborah. Ruth, and she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. For thou hast comforted me. 2 <laughs> Kings chapter 4 and verse 2 the prophet said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thine house? And she said, She said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. In 2 Kings 4 9, and she said unto her husband, Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God which passes by us continually. When the woman's son died and she got on her horse and went to the prophet, the Bible says in 2 Kings 4.23, and she said, it shall be well. Her son is dead. The prophet says, how are you doing? It shall be well. She said. What do we say? What do we say? What do I say? Don't you get disgusted with yourself sometimes? Don't you get disgusted with your conversation? Don't you feel really bad and ugly sometimes? Almost dirty. After you have a conversation and you say, what what, what was I saying? Was I giving people hope? Is people going to leave my presence with hope and comfort? And not knock on my door anymore because I depressed them and depleted them? It's something we have to think about. I'm not trying to say that negative things aren't happening in the world. Of course they are. Jesus told us they would. But what about the promises? What about the words that he speaks to us? Why don't we speak those words? Why don't we interrupt our conversation sometimes and say, stop? Just stop. You're agreeing with the devil. Let's speak the promises out loud sometimes. Out loud. Let the enemy hear you. Just like we pray out loud. People say, well, I pray to myself. That's wonderful. Let the world know. Let the enemy know. Let the spirit world know. You're praying out loud. Shout it from the housetop. You think God doesn't want to do a new thing in your life? Of course he does. Do you think the enemy wants you to have a new beginning? Absolutely. Let me try to close here. I like the woman, the little maid in 2 Kings 5 and 3 when Naaman got leprosy. And she said unto her mistress, this is a housekeeper. This is a little maid housekeeper who had the courage to speak out of quote-unquote turn, knowing that the captain had leprosy. And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that's in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. What did you say? Who are you? I'm the housekeeper. I make your bed. I draw your bath water. I make sure you're taken care of. And what are you saying? I'm saying, if your husband goes down to Samaria and knocks on the door of the prophet, he will be made whole of his leprosy. Man! Where does that leave me when a little maid, a housekeeper, is speaking the words of God and the promises of the Lord with no Bible. But in her storehouse, she knew that she knew that she knew of a prophet that could bring healing to the man of the house. (laughs) How about the lady who had the deranged daughter? In Matthew 15 and 27, and she said, Listen to this faith. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Jesus marveled at her faith. You're a Gentile. You're not even in this dispensation. You're not even a Jew. She crashed the party. And she went over the threshold. And she stopped that dispensation for a moment and entered in and said, Jesus... Even the dogs eat the crumbs off the floor. I'm here that you heal my daughter. Where does that leave me? Come on! Are you hearing what the Lord's saying? He wants to give us life. Paul told Timothy... Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 14, let us hold fast our profession. In Hebrews ten twenty three, let us hold our fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Either I believe this or I don't. Either what he says is true or it's a lie. What is a profession? It's a confession. To say the same thing as another. Stop right there, Pastor. To say the same thing as another. To agree with, to assent to, to concede to the word. Not to refuse or deny, but to confess, to declare openly and to speak out freely and to praise and celebrate together the word of the Lord. Amen. How are you going to be when you walk out this church this morning, after you hear this? How are you going to be? Are we going to be doom and gloom? Are we going to decide... Let's all get in our bunker because it's the end. Are we going to see the lion in the street and close our doors and lock it? What are we going to do? What are we going to do with the word? 1 Corinthians 1.10 admonishes us and says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment he said in 2 Corinthians 4:13 we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written i believed and therefore have i spoken we also believe and therefore speak The word. I don't care what the devil says. I don't care what backslidden Christians say. I don't don't care what commentators say. I I don't care what woke preachers say. I don't care. This is it. This is going to take me where I need to go. This is going to carry me for the rest of my time. This is it right here. The word. The promises of God. He said in Romans chapter 10 verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth Profession is made unto salvation. Are we saved or are we not? Are we forgiven or are we not? Do we believe the word or do we not? Do we confess the word or do we not? Our words would either bless us or sink us. That's That's the bottom line, folks. Our words will either bless us or sink us. Our confession will either be positive or negative. And when we embrace and agree with the promises of God, we can by faith accept the following scriptures. Closing. Matthew 18, 19. Jesus said, again, I say unto you, again, reminding you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Do we really believe that? believe that? Good question. Way back in the book of Daniel, in 9-4, he says, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. What did he confess? He said, O oh Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. This is Daniel, who was in the lion's den. He's saying to God, you always fulfill your covenant. And you always keep your promises of unfailing love. To who? To those who love you and obey your commands. The apostle Peter came along in 2 Peter 1 and 4, and he says, Wherefore, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises That by these, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What what is Peter saying? He's saying in this hand, in this book, you have been given exceeding great, not just great, and precious promises that you might be partakers of the divine nature of God. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in him are yea and in him amen unto the glory of God by us God is not a negative God he's positive positive. <clears throat> and listen I'm not minimizing what's taking place in the world I understand what's going on in the world because I read the Bible But I also know that Jesus, so let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me in my Father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to repair a place for you that where I am, you may be also. That's our comfort. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What words? The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, but we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. That's yes, comfort. <clears throat> what do you think World War Three is going to happen? I have no clue. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10 years from now. I have no idea. How do I know? Everybody's trying to figure out, is this World War III? Oh, you'll know it if it is. Trust me. <laughs> you'll know if it's World War III. But that's what people are talking about. Instead of talking about, and this is not a great message for the church in America, Jesus is coming. People make fun. Even on social media, it's a myth. Is it? Isn't. Well, you stay in your bunker. And you just stay put. Because when it does take place, you ain't going. Because I don't want no negativity next to me flying up with me. Stay on the ground, buddy, because I want to go and be with the Lord. Can you say amen? Amen. Father, I want to thank you, because this is a convicting message for me, and I hope for others here and those that would view it or listen to it. It's the word, and we need to get a hold of your word, and we need to believe you and not what the enemy is saying. So God I just ask that you like you did with Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 6 take the coals from heaven put it in our mouth and clean up our unclean lips it's no different than what Isaiah was professing Uncle Uzi died the gravy train stopped he thought he had it made but God said, I want to clean your lips. God, clean the lips of the church. Clean the lips of those in our home. All of us, oh God. Clean the lips of our children. And Father, help us to agree with your word in the mighty and precious name of Jesus Christ. We pray, amen. God bless you. Would you stand with us?